Are you looking for continuing education from a Canadian provider? Executive Links has almost 200 webinars to choose from on many topics, including med surge, critical care, geriatrics, peds, mental health, and more. Each webinar is $35 and includes handouts, a certificate of completion, and the option to watch live and on demand for at least a year. Save 15% for the rest of 2022 on any topic. Just use code GRITTY at checkout. Visit execulinks.net to register. That's E-X-E-C-U-L-I-N-K-S dot net. Is this thing still on? I think they can hear us a bit better now. Should we keep talking? Of course. Let's say it louder for those in the back. Hi, and welcome to the Green Nurse Podcast, an unfiltered discussion about health and healthcare. My name is Amy Archibald Burley. And my name is Sarah Fung. And we are your podcast hosts. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, iHeartRadio, or any other podcast platform, don't forget to hit subscribe so you can get updates on new episodes. If you love our podcast and our advocacy work, please go to www.grittynurse.com and click on the Support Us button. This will give you access to exclusive episodes and early releases on a monthly basis. This will help us with the cost of running the podcast, the time and energy to put out awesome and informative episodes. And for that, we thank you and we appreciate you. Are you ready? One, two, three. Let's, let's talk, talk about, about sex. Baby. Oh, hold on. Be. Let's talk about you. No, no, not not about you and me. No. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! So, so yeah, um, today's topic is actually about talking about sex, and this was actually a request that we received that we thought would be a very cool perspective to talk about sex um, and sex education from a nursing perspective. And how do we go about teaching sexual education to our children? And I guess we can preface this by saying, you know, we are labor and delivery nurses. Our background is in obstetrics and maternal child care, and and these things are are actually a part of our 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 health teaching. But but what does it look like in the Amy and Sarah nursing household? Dun, dun, dun. Oh my gosh, Amy, we've never talked about this before. But I will also preface this episode by saying I used to work in a women's clinic and I had to do birth control education, and that was interesting, right? And it's surprising <laughs> how little some people know, right? And they're and you you look at someone and you assume and you shouldn't assume, but Sometimes you assume that they're of a certain background or certain age and they would know about the options, but but they don't. And so you have to just start from the basics, really. Yeah, no, I, I hear that. And I think for, for those listeners that don't know, Amy and I, between us, we have five kids. They range in age from four to ten. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Yep, and they're a crazy bunch. So maybe <laughs> we can just let everyone know that, you know, we... We do have experience in kids of different ages and the funny questions that they come up with and how we approach it. And also, maybe we can talk about if we've had any patient experiences with this and how we've approached that, too. 
Oh, absolutely. And I, and I think maybe to preface the the episode, we probably, not that we talk about our own sexual experiences because that's none of anybody's business, but we might talk about like what our sex education looked like. And um, I can tell you just briefly, my sexual education, um, there wasn't really any in terms of in terms of sexual education in the household. And I guess, let me preface that again by saying that I was raised in a very, very um, religious upbringing. So it's not that uh, it wasn't, okay, maybe I should say it really wasn't talked about. It wasn't talked about in the sense that we now today would talk about sexual, sexual education with our own children based on, you know, our personal experiences, nursing as a profession, and, you know, what we've learned from an educational and healthcare standpoint. But when I think about my own um, experience and how my parents talked about it, I, I have to tell this story. So, I mean, this, this, this is my parents' fault. I'm going to blame you, mom and dad, because maybe if you had more conversations with me, I wouldn't have embarrassed you in that Becker's store way back in the day. And for those of you who doesn't who don't know what Becker's is, essentially it's like a Seven Eleven. Yep. But I don't even think they are they still around. I don't see them. That was just back when we were kids. That like Becker's okay. was the place to go. So anyhow, um, I was I must have been around seven or eight, and um, we were we walked into this Becker's store, and you know I think kids know a lot more than we think they know. I think that's one thing that we should preface that, you know, although there is a lot of onus for whatever reason or or emphasis placed on sexual education from educators, I really think that it believe that it should start in the home. I think that, you know, as parents, that is your role to really start talking to your kids about sex. Anyhow, so I must have heard something or seen something. And, you know, my parents were very conservative with their their viewpoints and talking about sex and sexuality. And I'm pretty sure that the conversation in my household was like, you don't have sex until you're married. Like that was our sexual education. Like just eh, eh, you can't do it. <laughs> That's just it. So I must have heard something. Anyhow, um, I was perusing the store and, you know, I, I just, I guess I didn't feel that it would have been safe to ask my parents about this question. So I had asked the store clerk. Oh, <laughs> so I had walked up to the store clerk. Uh, there my parents were, you know, um, you know, doing their little shopping. They actually had known the store clerk. Um, I can't remember his name. I forget what his name. I think, it, oh, his name was Robert. And really? uh, he was a lovely Portuguese Poor man. Robert. <laughs> Poor Robert. <laughs> and um, I had walked up and I said to him, I said, Robert, what is a wet dream? And my parents looked at me like, dun, dun, dun. Like this should have been a question that I asked them. But because I had kind of had like this sense that I didn't think they would answer me or they would shut me down by be like, don't talk about these things that I felt it was okay to ask this man in the store clerk with other people perusing the store about what a wet dream was. And I think he gave me some like crazy answer. And then eventually my parents were like, oh, well, you know, <laughs> a wet dream is when, you know, a man pees himself at night. <laughs> it's like, I, and I knew that that wasn't what the case was. I think maybe I was asking to see what they'd actually say. 
to see their reactions. To see their reactions. Because, yeah. you know, you know, eight-year-old, seven-year-old being like, I'm, I'm kind of curious about these things. But anyhow, like, long story short is I think if these these types of embarrassing moments can be averted <laughs> by having conversations initially. So what was what was your first experience or or um, conversations with your family in regards to sexual education? You know, it's funny because I didn't grow up in a religious household. My parents both grew up Catholic and they both decided they were not going to be practicing Catholics when they got to adulthood. So I kind of grew up in an agnostic household. Um, but we also didn't talk about sex. And it wasn't like it wasn't like this thing where they would be like, oh, my God, we can't talk about it. It was just something that we never really talked about. Um, and I remember, OK, Forrest Gump came out when I was I would I want to say around 10 or 11, somewhere around there, like like mid 90s. And I don't know if you remember this movie, but there's this one scene where Forrest sleeps with Jenny after she comes back to find him, you know, after whatever. And I remember yeah. my mom getting really <laughs> uncomfortable with that scene. And it wasn't until like years later that I put it all together. And I was like, <laughs> oh, because I guess in her mind, Forrest Gump was like a wholesome type of movie where she didn't expect that to happen. But it did. Right. And we just never talked about it. But I also got the sense where like I shouldn't ask why that made her uncomfortable and then in terms of and then we just never really talked about it then it was like my teen years came and went and then it was like I was in university and every once in a while my mom would be like so are you on birth control and I'd be like yeah and that was kind of the end of that conversation oh man <laughs> see that's so weird like I the the reason I actually ended up on birth control was because of my my periods. I used to have these really really heavy periods which to this day still plagues me and thank you Sophia Yen. Uh sorry, thank you Dr. Sophia Yen who came on to our podcast to talk about, you know, um what you can do about um menses and again I think that'll be a whole other podcast episode that we can talk about you know that women tend to really suffer through um periods suffer through menopause and there was a great movie that came out of Toronto uh Turning Red that really talked about these issues in puberty and 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 there's so much shame which is which is crazy around menstruation around these changes that that women tend to go through and I think there's mm -hmm. a, a greater conversation that's happening now to be like this is not something that's shameful this is not something this is something we should talk about because there's there's a large percentage of women who miss work days in relation to, you know, heavy menstruation, painful periods, fibroids and various different uh, various different um, issues. And these things should come out into the open. And again, this this actually kind of precipitated some of the conversations that we ended up or I've ended up having with my kids today. And and I think that when we bring in that nursing perspective, oh, gosh, like I, I think to myself <laughs> that, you know, I think I, I think I lucked out because, you know, I chose labor and delivery. Clearly, everyone who's coming through those doors have had sex to, to get to the point that they have gotten to. And and I wonder about, you know, why why did I choose that? Why was I so interested? And I think it was kind of my lack of of formalized education or education that came from my parents. And I think that, you know, the only you're, you will do yourself and your kids a disservice if you don't have those open conversations, but what do those open conversations look like? And how do they, how do you navigate, you know, what's appropriate to tell your child at what age? And I think that's something that a lot of people are trying to figure out. And I could tell you right off the hop, I, I am no expert in terms of, 
what what I think is the best age. Like for example, I I I knew these conversations were coming. My um my boys are ten years old, and you know they ask funny kind of questions. Like um, <laughs> I remember my son asking me. He was in the bathtub by himself, and I had come in to get something, and he's like, "Mom, it just won't go down." And I'm like, "Oh, <laughs> what are you talking about?" And I look over. I'm like, "Oh God, no!" You're like, oh no, there it is. It's like, he's like, he's like I keep touching it, and it gets worse and worse. And I'm like, <laughs> "Okay, I'm like, then stop touching it, because the more you touch it, the, the like." bigger it's gonna get yeah yeah i don't know and i'm like i don't know either like jordan get in here but these are the conversations we we have to start thinking about having and i think i personally think that the best way to start having those conversations is to have them early and have them in the home and you know we can get into what that looks like with our various different age groups and again like I, i don't know if there's a there's a perfect science on when is the best time versus when's not the best time to have these conversations? I really think it depends on your kid. <laughs> yeah, I think that um, for me, the approach that I've always taken is when they ask about it, I give them the information and I try to give it in an age appropriate way. So, for example, my son the other day, he's seven, so he just turned seven. And he was like, he's like, so how was I born? Like, how did I actually like, because it's like you told me that I'm part you and part daddy so how did that happen and I'm like well I'm gonna show you this book that I've had for literally four or five years now and it's called where do babies come from and it's it's actually I I had I think it's a really good book because it normalizes where babies come from but also talks about like where do animal babies come from like some animals carry their babies in their tummies like humans some lay eggs and so I so for things like this I try not to make a big deal about either way so I didn't get all uptight and I was like okay you want to know where they come from I'm like let's go to that page so I start reading and there's flaps you can lift and I know this is not a good pun but the subtitle (laughs) it says it says no no with lots of flaps to lift and until today I'd never thought of that (laughs) and I'm dying. You're gonna Lots of flaps to lift, okay? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I keep going. And so, we'll so I start so I start reading this book, right? And then by page three, he's like, he's like, okay, I'm done. I'm gonna go watch my iPad. And I was like, my job bored. is done. I'm like, he got bored. I'm like, that's good. Oh I gave God. him just maybe I gave him a little too much, but I gave him information. I didn't make a big deal about it. And I think that people think that this conversation is like this hugely stressful, like one-time event where it really should be an ongoing conversation, right? I agree. They ask, you give them information or maybe you decide to give them information and they absorb and they think about it. And my daughter's even said like she's four. So she knows that she grew, she started in my tummy. And I don't know why, but both my kids know that there's two ways a baby can come out. One (laughs) hurts a little more than the other. And and they're both like they're both like, so if we came out that way and it hurts so much, like why did you do it again? And I'm like, well, then there wouldn't be two of you. That is a good question. I think about that some days. We we make this into a bigger thing than I think it has to be. And it's all really in our attitude and our approach to having these conversations with our kids. No, I, I agree. And I think when when I think about the question that I had, so essentially, um, you know, my kids are curious and I, I'll be honest, I guess as a labor and delivery nurse, I didn't really hide any of those things around. So I never I never hit any of those maternal child books. My children had seen me naked before, so they had seen that I had a cesarean section scar and they had asked okay. me about it and I told them, I said, This is this is what where you both all three of you came from. They asked me why, and I was like, I told them 
in a way that they'd understand like you know mom was sick i had this type of condition which caused you to come early and mm-hmm. kind of had those kind of those types of conversations with them and i did tell them that you know babies come from the other way i think the other thing is as a labor delivery nurse i also was an educator at one point in time so i used to have you know squishy vaginas and i used to have you know the cesarean section belly that can show the birth canal i used to carry around the the, the the birthing pelvis to show kind of what that looked like and i showed them like this is this is kind of what it looks like and they i think having that curiosity and showing them those things really was helpful I did eventually purchase a book because the other thing was I did have the question just recently, I'd say probably within the last six months of, well, how did we get in there? Yeah. And that's I was like, when you're oh. like, I was like, all right. Um, <laughs> like how much detail do we like, get into I like, right now? I was now? like, well, let me think about it. So I spoke to actually one of my friends who told, who advised me to get a book and um, the book I got was very male centric. So I actually didn't like the book. So the book went, I can't remember the name of it. But essentially, it goes through, you know, when a man and woman lie down, the man will put his penis inside of the woman's vagina, the woman, but it was very male centric. It was like, the woman lays down, the man climbs on top of the woman, the man puts his penis into the woman, the woman likes it. It's kind of like- Right, right. It's the man doing everything to the woman. Right. So I was just like, I don't know. Like, I didn't, I wasn't feeling that book. So I sent it back because I was just like, you know- when it comes to sex, when it comes to sexual desire, when it comes to having these conversations, especially with having two male children, I wanted them to understand that it's not just about their perspective. It's also about the woman's perspective. What does the woman want? Talking about consent, talking about those various different things. And I said, you know, if if I didn't feel comfortable with that book, I would rather do it myself. So I had some conversations <laughs> um, and essentially, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm trying to think about like whether I use the, the, those words. I think I said, you know, um, it's a choice that happens between two people who tend, who care for, for each other. And we cared about, you, we wanted you and this is how it all kind of went down. I don't know if I was very graphic. I just said, you know, um, we have these sexual organs, a vagina and a penis. And and when those two things come together, um, stuff happens. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. then I kind of, I'll be honest, I actually kind of passed the buck to my husband at that point. I was like, all right. I told them about the intercourse part. You can take on the part about the sperm and the eggs and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, it was, I think it was more painful for me than it was for them listening. Because I think they listened and they were just like, okay, bye. <laughs> Let me play some roadblock, roadblocks or whatever. But I'll be honest, the conversation was more uncomfortable for me than it was for them. And I think that's something we need to take away that it's like, we're. Put, I think we put so many of our preconceived notions about sexuality, about sex, about these various different things. And we put it onto our children in, in a way that they're not going to understand it in those terms, in terms of the experiences we had, in terms of the things that we've seen, they're just asking an honest question. And I think we just need to be honest and straightforward because I believe at some point they will be exposed to things that, you know, might bring more questions. And I think having those early conversations are really important. Yeah. Like I think that um, a lot of us, myself included, we as parents, we think we do a really good job, but we're only just scratching the surface because sexuality is like, you know, stuff about consent and about um, LGBTQ. Like it's not always a man and a woman. So for example, Mm -hmm. my son said to me uh, a couple of days ago, he's like, mommy, do you think I'm going to end up alone or am I going to find a girl? 
And I was like, well, that's up to you. Like you could do both and that'd be okay. And I'm like, you know, if, if you found a boy, that'd be okay too. And he's like, he's like, no, that doesn't make any sense. That's silly. And then I started talking about like, we, I have a really good friend who's gay. And I'm like, I'm like your uncle so-and-so likes men and and that's okay too and two women can get married too but he's already through school i think found yeah. these social norms and he's feeling like at seven years old he's worried that he might not find someone and that he's gonna be wow. alone and i'm like you can live with mommy and daddy and i'm like thinking i am actually saying this right because what if he's like 35 and still living with us oh well he God. may very well be 35 with the house prices living with you that's like a whole other conversation but yeah and I actually was looking at the Ontario curriculum, the human development and sexual education by grade. And I'm like, oh, this is really good because maybe I can follow some of this and make sure that he's understanding, like, even in terms of using the correct um, body parts, right? So using the anatomically correct name, um, talking about things like basic good hygiene habits. This is this is listed here. And I'm like, okay, well, I think with COVID, they're actually pretty good with that, which is a good start. And just like answering whatever questions come up. And I, I leave my feminine products around and they can ask about it or not ask about it. Like, I'm okay either way. But but in terms of like how we think we do a good job, it's it's okay to, you know, make mistakes. But the thing is, you're trying and you're trying to give them the information because when you don't give kids enough information, they start to fill in the gaps and they start talking yeah. to their friends and getting incorrect information. And that's not good either. Like just yeah, just thinking I about that movie, Turning Red. Remember that scene mm -hmm. with the period? <laughs> that was so or intense. The, or even the scene where, you know, she's underneath her bed and she's drawing pictures of her pretty much having fantasies about this, this the boy in the supermarket that you know it's i would rather address those things early or have those conversations as opposed to them finding out about it in a different way or finding out about it in an unhealthy way so for example you know some of those conversations were had with me and i thought i i think that they would have been helpful if i've had those conversations or questions answered as opposed to trying to navigate it and about you know trying to figure out for trying to figure it out all on my own. And I think that, you know, we're not perfect. I don't think we're going to get it right all the time. But I think if you you can encourage that dialogue that they feel comfortable and safe to come and ask you those questions, I think that's a good starting point. And even I'm glad that you brought up the Ontario curriculum because we actually peeled back a lot of the education that we were giving, um, I guess, sorry, that schools were giving about sexuality because I believe that the curriculum previous to this um, was much more advanced. and. Um, with having a conservative government, they actually pulled a lot of the LGBTQ2S things out, which is really unfortunate because, you know, like you said, um, they should have the right to know about these other these other um, gender identities. I think that's actually very important. And again, same with my family. Like Uncle Matthew comes over and they they understand and it's it's okay. Like I don't, I, it just makes me so angry where you know people might feel that you know my seven-year-old or my my five-year-old won't understand that. I think we put so many of our own preconceived notions on what they might and might not understand. And I think that that, again, I think that's just, that's fear on the individual's part, not on the child's part. Right. So, so when I've said in the past, like Uncle Elwood, he, he um, wants to be with a man and they're like, oh, okay, bye. Like, <laughs> right? it's just, it's just like, as if I told them, okay, we're having McDonald's today. So but the thing is, that's kind of how it should be, right? Like, I think 
if if you even think about nursing as a profession, there's so many ideologies and different perspectives and social norms that are put on women, put on the idea, the name of nursing, like the name of nursing came, if you think about it, it's about, you know, nurturing or feeding a child. That's nursing. That's how you you go about breastfeeding. And it's just like all of these societal norms, so to speak, we've already kind of set ourselves up for failure when it comes to talking about sexual sexuality and gender identity and these various different things. So I personally think that it should start in the home. I think it should start early. Um, do I think there's a secret sauce in terms of how you go about it? I think the best way is to, if they've approached it, that you start having honest conversations because, you know, I'm pretty sure when I asked my husband and maybe maybe you've asked your husband. I, I asked him, like, when was your first encounter with, you know, sexual information? And for boys, I believe it was quite early. I think he said he was around eight or seven years old when he first saw his first like pornographic magazine. So really? I think he'd I think well, I, I think it was I think it was actually at a friend's house. He he had told me he'd gone to a friend's house and the friend's dad was the friend sorry, not the friend's dad. The friend's the friend had the friend's dad had magazines. And was like, hey, look at this. It's like, well, you know what? I'd rather have a conversation about that versus them finding out that way. So, and you know, the internet is, um, you type the wrong thing. Oh my God, (laughs) yes. You're trying to type Skittle and you type something else. It's just like, uh, and you know, I, I would rather get there before they get there. That's just, that's just my perspective. Right. And I think parents, they just put off having the conversation for so long that when they do start talking about it it's almost like you should have started years ago right and and really it needs to start before kids go through puberty it can't be like wait you can't just wait until high school although any time I would say is better than not starting that conversation at all maybe even just reinforcing information they already know so they know that hey mom's cool she can talk about this stuff like if I have a question I can go to her I don't need to search the internet I don't need to ask so and so at school and one thing um, I wanted to bring up that I did find interesting is that our school board um, sent my son is in grade one, sent an email about a month ago saying that um, in grade one, they're going to start going over the curriculum. And if you had any concerns and you wanted to pull your child out, that you could. And I'm like, why is that even an option? Like, does that have to be an option? Just like, do they ask you if you want to pull your child out of gym or out of math or out of science? Like, why was this one particular email sent out in case people wanted to withdraw their kids from that part of the curriculum? Yeah, again, again, I I really think that this this conversation is is not really even although we're talking about having talking about the education for children, it's it's actually about the adults. Like it's about your your own comfort level, your own experiences, your own perceptions on sexuality and gender identity. That that is actually probably what's hindering you or making you feel uncomfortable about having these conversations. It's not the kids. <laughs> the kids are going to be okay. It's it's us. It's us what we bring to the table, what we're fearful of and how that influences the conversation. And again, even though we're nurses and we're healthcare providers, it's not easy for us either. We're still people, we're still navigating this. But again, I will reiterate that I think it's better to have the conversation with you with your child versus, you know, them finding out the hard way or the not accurate way. Cause again, um, there are some de- depictions of sex and sexuality that are inaccurate. And I think I'd rather try to capture what that is first rather than them kind of being like, Oh, that, this is what sex is. And it's like, mm. 
it's not really like that. <laughs> well, I think one place that we have had this conversation was at the zoo. So we were oh. at the zoo <laughs> and stuff oh, no. was happening. <laughs> and I was like, okay, yes, this is how this is how animals have babies. And and then that kind of led into like other animals, you know, they do it different ways too. And, and humans do it too. That's how babies are born. So right, right. It's, it's like, it can be a teachable moment. So it's funny, but teachable. Yeah. And again, like I, my, my kids are different ages. So how I might talk to Emily might not necessarily be the same as the details I might give to my boys and vice versa. Right. I think I, I'm trying to kind of also see what, what types of questions they're asking me, what they might understand and kind of tailor it that way. And, and again, I think it's more me feeling like <gasps> this discomfort or whatever. And I'm, I, I, it's something that I'm grappling with. And I know it's it's a me problem, not a them problem. So again, I think it's just, you know, having these conversations are important. And I think that if you take away the fact that, you know, it's your own perceptions that are making you feel anxious or whatever the case may be about it, then you can see that, okay, well, maybe I'm the one being unreasonable. And I think I think they just know much more than we we lead on to them thinking that they don't know or that they do know. So and, and I, some I parents like they just they feel like if they talk to their kids about it they're going to lose their innocence like oh now they or know they're going to be next. more likely to do it right, right. or they're going to be more likely to do it but actually research has found it to be the opposite right so the more right. information you get the the safer you are and you might even delay it because you're like okay it's not a big deal I yeah. don't need so I will give you another example of my reaction and how it's influenced my kids. So one time I was parallel parking and I might have <laughs> I might have lightly hit another car oh dear and I was like oh shit and then um I was like never mind I didn't say that I didn't say that and then and then my son started repeating it because <laughs> I had made a big deal about it and I was like oh god so I just didn't address it but the next time I accidentally swore in front of him I didn't say anything I didn't even address it and he didn't even hear it so it's more about our reaction so when they realize that we think something's a big deal sometimes they just latch onto it right and they're like oh this got a reaction like it was it was an emotional reaction and I want to see that again so I'm gonna do whatever I can to make that happen right so no, I agree <laughs> <laughs> well the thing is I mean I think I think about myself as an adult and um I, I don't know if I've mentioned this before but I remember actually going to see 50 shades of gray with my mother-in-law and I don't know wow. how that all kind of <laughs> kind of worked out like I, th I think she was just like her husband was like I don't want to see this movie like I don't I'm not interested in the premise and I was like, I want to see what the hype is about. And sitting there watching that with my mother-in-law made me feel really weird. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, oh, this is just so strange. And just even even recently watching Bridgerton with my with my mom around, I was just like, oh my God, she sees that they're doing this. But now it's like, my mom was like, oh, Amy, I know that you're having sex. Or she'll do this like... <laughs> <laughs> it's so embarrassing she'll do this thing where she like i'm stressed out about something let's say she's up for the weekend she's like she's like amy and she'll be like jordan come over here just take your wife upstairs and give her a good time i'm like oh, oh Mom, my stop, god please she's really it's loosened so embarrassing. up <laughs> yeah she was not like that when i was a teenager let me tell you but i mean i think i think she knows now and she realizes too that the, the the lack of having these conversations made it uncomfortable for me and she's even trying to be like okay you know what it's everybody does it it's it's a normal part of life and I think that's the other thing people have to just realize like sex and sexuality gender identity gender fluidity these are normal things 
within our life, in our lifespan. We should be having these conversations because they are normal and they're natural. I bet in those uh, Korean soap operas that she watches, they talk oh about sex all the time. Well, Just see, not <laughs> graphically. <laughs> well, my mom's like, oh, I love them because they're all love stories. And then they get to that at the end. I'm like, oh, gosh. But my mom used to read a lot of Harlequins. So <laughs> that's a whole other thing. Too. Oh, my gosh. So does my mother-in-law come to think oh, of it. No. <laughs> I know. But yeah, I think at the end of the day, nurse, whether you're a nurse, you're not a nurse, you're a healthcare provider, you're not a healthcare provider. If you are a parent and you have small children that it's okay to talk about sex <laughs> agreed it's, it's and, more bad on your end not there and maybe maybe as nurses we have more information right so that can complicate things when you know too much and you're like how do i distill this down or what do i share what do i not share and you know by the way um stds aren't were changed to STIs and now I think right. they're like STBB or something like oh, sexually gosh, transmitted and bloodborne d- diseases, infections or something. The acronyms keep changing. Oh, so gosh. I well, need to you get mean, up at to the date. end of the day, I think we just need to just have the conversation. It, it's you who feels uncomfortable, not your kid. <laughs> your kids are just like, what's happening? <laughs> and we're the ones that are panicking about it. So at the end of the day, I think, you know, it, it's the onus is on you to, to ask yourself those tough questions about what makes you queasy when it comes to talking about sex and sexuality with your children. And you deal with those demons and your kids will be fine because... <laughs> They're just asking honest questions, and I think they're they should be addressed. And we should validate them and give them honest, open, accurate, and evidence informed answers. 